on, stick to football. The Jets can't win. The Niners do. The Chiefs haven't played yet. Uh, but also, a lot of college football to get to. A lot of quarterback talk today. We're going to have Quincy Avery. For my money, one of the best quarterback trainers in the land. He's going to join us. And then, top five Tuesdays as always. Fellas, happy for us Monday morning. Uh, not so happy, maybe, I don't know, for Connor Rodgers and the New York Jets. Connor, y'all are the only team in the NFL right now that does not have a win. Does that make you that happy? Is, that's great news, okay. Matt. I don't want to be the, the picking fourth in this draft. You know you guys will it. fuck it up, though. You know yeah, what's absolutely. going to happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Gase will get fired, and Jim Bob Cooter will call the plays, and Sam Darnold will sneak off a win or two, and and they'll pick three or whatever it may be. But right now, uh, I'm enjoying this winless run that they're on, and now nobody can complain about when we talk about the Jets because they are in sole possession of the first overall pick, which is what Stick to Football is about. Oh, they'll complain. You just wait. Yeah, you're right. I've been on the other side of that where it's like, oh, my God, all they do is talk about the Chiefs. Yes, the team that has the greatest quarterback in the league. (laughs) And won the Super Bowl. (laughs) Right, yeah. But we are definitely going to talk about the Jets because – like you said, I think they're going to get that first overall pick unless they somehow fuck it up. Uh, I don't know if Sam Darnold can come in and, and get a win or two. I almost just hope that he just rides the bench the rest of the season. Because even you, Connor, you have to be like, man, I, I hope we can get a second-round pick, maybe a back into the first-round pick for this guy. I would just kind of sit him. Don't let him get hurt. See what happens there. Don't screw up your trade value. Yeah. It's like having a classic yeah. car. You don't drive it. You, know, you garage well, they, this they fucker. they did that. You know, the, the Jets already are getting afraid of that. You saw they cut Le'Veon Bell, who is now in the Chiefs, because of that injury guarantee they didn't want to kick in for next year. I think with Sam, we might see some of the opposite, right? Where maybe you go out, let him play at some point under a different play caller this year that gets him moving, uh, that shows why he was a third overall pick. And maybe, you know, if the Jets are picking first, I think we all agree on the show, they're going to be taking Trevor Lawrence. And it doesn't mean it's the end for Sam Darnold. He could have a really nice career elsewhere. Uh, there are a lot of people in the in the building with the Jets that still think Sam is a really, really good player and that uh, Adam Gase can ruin just about anybody. So I think when you look at this situation, uh, you know, it, it's going to be one of the more interesting ones we've seen in, in regards to young quarterbacks and moving on and drafting one uh, these next couple months. Yeah. And if you guys are in the driver's seat for number one overall and there is there is some competition. There, there really Absolutely. is. There's a lot of bad football being played. I don't know. The first couple of weeks we were like, oh, my God, football's back. This feels so good. Uh, there's a lot of bad football being played, even though you know teams like the Falcons and Vikings got their first win on Sunday. Uh, I believe the Giants did as well. Like, There's still a lot of bad football being played. So the, the Washington football team, they're also in the running for this. The Giants, they're in the running for this. I mean, there's the, the Jaguars, one in five. The Texans are somehow one and five, like there's, there's the, and they wouldn't go quarterback. But for the number one overall pick, there's a lot of competition out there. Whomever lands this number one pick, though, guys, I feel like it's October 19th as we sit here. I feel like we can confidently say, or I will, Trevor Lawrence is the number one player in this class, and there's no point in talking about it anymore. Like, And maybe for a lot of people, they're like, okay, welcome to where we were all summer. But I just wanted to see it. Because I do think last year there were times of ball placement and he just looked out of sorts, especially early in the year last year. I just wanted to see it before coming out saying Trevor Lawrence is as good as advertised. Because I feel like in this business, people get so hyped that you have to be like, let's just wait one fucking second and watch him play again. And then, okay, then we can say it. 
I have now seen enough of Trevor Lawrence to say he is the best player in this class. Nothing will change that. I have too. And, you know, I was tweeting about that this weekend, and I will tell you that is not a consensus opinion. A lot of what? people are still out there saying, let's wait till Justin Fields plays. And I get it. Like, Justin Fields is going to be a very good player. We're going to talk to Quincy Avery a bit about him as well. But for my, for me and my money, I, I agree with you. I, it always has been Trevor Lawrence. And this dude is just special. That's not a knock against the other quarterbacks to come out and say Trevor Lawrence is the best player in this class. I really do think that we still have three guys that could be franchise-level quarterbacks in this draft. Trevor Lawrence, for my opinion, is just the one that's at the top. Yeah, I'm with you guys, right? I, You know, when we came out with the big boards this year, um, I had Sewell number one just because you, you go through the tape of last year and it's like this is the most complete player or the most I would drop him on an NFL field right now and feel good about it kind of player. I think what we've seen from Lawrence already this year is just phenomenal, number one. Uh, I do think he's the number one player, number one pick, number one quarterback. And it's a, it's really interesting. The next segment's coming up with Quincy. It's, you know, it makes us almost overlook how good of a quarterback class this is, right? In any other year, we would be excited about Justin Fields going number one overall. We'd be excited about Trey Lance going number one overall. But we have Trevor in this class where it's like, wow, this is a really, really special quarterback class. Uh, he is he's different. And I can't say it enough because and I understand. And I have to tie this into the Jets because it's where it's most relatable. You know, if you tweet about Trevor Lawrence or you tweet about the Jets pick number one overall, understandably, a lot of fans sit there and go, well, we were told all of these things with Darnold. And I just can't emphasize enough. They are not the same caliber of prospects. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is in the Andrew Luck caliber bucket, right? That mm, once every, what do you say, eight years kind yeah, of guy. Maybe more, yeah. It, right? Maybe more where you look at it and and maybe one day we'll be wrong on this show and he will just be an average quarterback or who knows. But right now projecting him, he is a star, a future star. Uh, everything about him is future star. And we have not had it. I could tell you right now, and I'm cu curious if you guys agree. And I, I think you will, because we didn't look at Mahomes like that coming out. He's the best quarterback prospect since the start of stick to football by a mile. He's the best quarterback prospect since the start of my career. There like, you go. And right there. I started at Bleacher Report in 2010. So to me, he's the best there. And, and you know what? Like, it might be a fun show or it might maybe this is something I should actually write about. I mean, we could compare him to the past QB1s, whether that's ranking or drafted. It's not the same. Sam Darnold. Uh, Sam, it was all about what he could be. It was like you watch him come back against he's Texas. Still a project. You watch him in the Rose Bowl, and it's like he's still. I mean, he wasn't even the starting quarterback there his freshman year. Like, he got that job because the guy got hurt, and it was like, God damn, the upside's gonna be so good with this guy. With Trevor Lawrence, it's just if you could make a prospect, I'd probably put ten more pounds on him, but that would be it. Like I've never seen someone. Like with Patrick Mahomes, the ball comes out of his hand and it's just different because it's so powerful and there's so much velocity. But the beauty of Patrick Mahomes is the the vision and the arm angle to where no throw is ever off limits. Nothing's off the book with Patrick Mahomes. But like you said, Connor, we, I, I, I don't want to lump anybody in with me. I doubted Patrick Mahomes because it was like, gosh, he's coming from Texas Tech. We've never seen an air raid quarterback have success in the NFL, even though like I can look at all these super special arm talent traits and the the athleticism and the work ethic, I can look at that and be like, man, that's all really, really nice. But I don't know the mental side of what he's been asked to do and what he can now come in and do. 
obviously it worked. He got into a beautiful system. He's worked his ass off. You got to give him a ton of credit. But with Trevor Lawrence, I just feel like there aren't very many questions. And with scouting, so you do two things. You say, what can this guy do? And then you say, what what do I not know? What do I not know about this guy? With Trevor not Lawrence, much. there's nothing. Like I don't have anything. And with Justin Fields, even right now, we could be like, saw you play last year. I do have some ball placement concerns, just like I have with Trevor Lawrence. I do have some scheme concerns because I think there's a lot of easy throws. And then you have the... Uh, what which players have come out of this system and had success. And even breaking my own scout, the player, not the helmet rule, you want to look at that scheme. Just like when we talk to Quincy Avery, he's going to say about Trey Lance, that scheme gets you NFL ready. The Ohio State scheme does not. We're seeing that. So that, that question is going to be out there. We want Justin Fields to prove to us this year to show that he transcends his scheme. With Trevor Lawrence, I don't know. What question is there? I, I don't have any. I mean, he's got the arm strength, arm accuracy. He moves around a bit, too. Like you said, Matt, he's he's a little bit skinny, but he's still 6'6", 225. This is the perfect prospect. And uh, we've been waiting for almost three years to see uh, what it was going to be like when he is a prospect. And when you look at a guy, I think at quarterback, at least for me, one of the biggest struggles is the unknown of, like, what's his character like? Is this a guy who's going to get to the league and be very content with being the first overall pick? Or is he going to be that Patrick Mahomes type who gets to the league, dominates the league, and then keeps finding ways to keep himself motivated? Uh, I think that that's what we're going to see out of Trevor Lawrence. I think this is a guy who's going to find ways to keep himself motivated and growing. I, like a Joe Burrow, but I, I think that he's even a better prospect than what Joe Burrow was. Right, that's the thing. He he kind of has a similar mindset, but physical talent, he's on a different planet than Joe Burrow was, you know, and it's not a slight on Burrow because just not a lot of guys are 6'6 with the ability to throw like that and run like that and lead like that. And that's why it goes back to why this is a special group because you watch Trey Lance and he's extremely accurate. He's a very good runner. You know, he, he he dominated in his first full year as a starter. He clearly loves football. Like, there's so many good things about him. And Justin Fields is another guy where the physical talent is overwhelming. The ability to create with his legs. The ability, you know, to push the ball when he needs to. And we want to see more of that this year, but definitely think he could do it. So, I, I think when you look at it, it's fun for us, right? Because... This is a special group. Like, we're going to talk about those three guys nonstop. And that's not even getting into the Kyle Trask, the Zach Wilsons, on and on. There there are other guys in this class that need to be talked about. But it's a – we've said it a lot over the years, and it rung true. There's a bit of a changing of a guard at, at quarterback in this league where you have different franchise passers coming in. And we've seen it with Lamar Jackson. We've seen it with Pat Mahomes. You know, it did not work out for guys like Trubisky – um, it's not worked out yet for a guy like Darnold or Rosen, but you, you've seen, you know, Baker Mayfield's been up and down, but Josh Allen looks really, really good. And so it's going to continue that trend of infusing youth at the quarterback position in the NFL. All right. How about some hundred dollar handshakes guys? Uh, it's time. It was a good weekend of college football, some upsets, some not so upsetting games, but I want to start here with Zach Wilson. We've been talking about him. Uh, quite a bit over the last few weeks. Junior quarterback at BYU. They call him the Mormon Manziel. I love it. Uh, also, he went off again on Saturday. 400 yards passing, 
four touchdowns, completed 71% of his throws. He is getting it done, fellas. He also ran for 40 yards. I know that's not huge, but you the mobility is definitely there. Uh, I'm... I haven't watched Zach Wilson as a prospect yet because he is a junior and we've, we've just got a lot of players to try to get caught up on. But, man, I'm definitely having a lot of fun watching him play at least. Yeah. Uh, for me, I like him. I've seen him play a couple times now. I have my questions. He, he's beaten up on some really bad football teams. Like Houston might be the best football team he plays all year, but uh, definitely came out and performed uh, on Friday night. Uh, so $100 handshake to him. He might need it out there in BYU. Not exactly a big program. Uh, I'm going to highlight two guys, but they play the same position and they play for the same school at Arkansas State. They can damn sure use some money over there. Uh, they have two quarterbacks, and I absolutely love this. Now, we used to say if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. That's not true in Arkansas State. They've got two quarterbacks, Lane Hatcher and Logan Bonner, who are absolutely balling out. And I think the coaching staff is like still playing both of them, hoping that one of them just outplays the other. But they're both playing so damn good that they're both still playing. Uh, and on Saturday, they combined for 529 passing yards and seven touchdowns. You have two quarterbacks coming out there, slinging the ball all over the field. So I guess this is a 50-50 thing, or maybe I can find a way to get them both $100. But these guys deserve a shout-out. Uh, it's tough to be in that quarterback competition. Come in, get your job done, and, and, and still get it done in the locker room as well. But these two young kids are doing it at Arkansas State. So check them out if you haven't had a chance to yet. I'm going to start this one with a true sophomore getting that $100 handshake here. Isaiah Spiller, the running back from Texas A&M. And, fellas, I'm not sure how you let this Texas kid not become a Longhorn. He is just <laughs> loaded, loaded, loaded with talent. 6'1", 225, runs hard, great feet, elusive, uh, just a workhorse back. I mean, really ran over this Mississippi State team. Two touchdowns, over 100 yards for the third time already this year. Uh, he's just balling right now, and we saw him almost get to a thousand yards as a true freshman. He's going to get to a thousand yards in his sophomore campaign, and, and I think when we talk about him over the summer, uh, he's going to be one of those you know pretty special young running backs. We're going to be looking forward to scouting the 2022 running back class is going to be phenomenal. The fucking nominal uh, so i do Brees, like a Brees hall on that one i was gonna too. say yeah. i do a, like a monday morning state of college football and this week i previewed the 2022 class even a guy tweeted at me as i like, add ah, 2021 asterisk like, no buddy i mean 2022 <laughs> and you guys are right like isaiah spiller Brees hall kyron williams there's some really good running backs and those are guys just that are sophomores so uh we could see even more people go back to college in return for that 2022 season, much like we did Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. Your uh, your Monday morning state of college football, uh, this might be TMI, but I really don't care at this point. That's become my Monday morning poop read. I appreciate it. It's good. It's good. You've replaced <laughs> Peter King. So, hey, that's pretty nice. Right? Put that in your Twitter bio. I am Matt Miller's poop Matt read. reads me while he takes a shit. Right? Oh, sorry. At NFL Draft right. Scout, because that's really important. That is. He reads me when I take when he takes a shit. Okay, my next hundred dollar handshake. J.C. Horn, corner from South Carolina. I want to give him two hundred dollar handshakes because he picked off Bo Nix twice. Can this please end the fact that Bo Nix gets jammed down my throat like a COVID test up my nose? Like, please, like, this stop. podcast has hated him for right? so long, and like I just I'm so fucking over it. And so J.C. Horn, hell of a player. I think he has a chance to be in that first round conversation as a corner. He is 
big, and the playmaking was there. Not that Bo Nix is any good. He's not, but the Auburn wide receivers really are. And so for JC to get out there, 6'1", 205, uh, as Melo likes to say, boy, thicker to bowl oatmeal. Uh, he was making plays. Yeah, and he had a very tough job. The other corner whose name I cannot pronounce, he was out. So uh, JC Horn had to fall around Seth Williams all day. That's not an easy job, and he did one hell of a job. Uh, speaking of one hell of a job, I'm just going small school guys. And apparently I love the state of Arkansas today. Grant Morgan. Uh, linebacker from Arkansas. This dude had 19 tackles. He had a sack. He had an interception that he returned for a touchdown. The Arkansas team is playing pretty damn well. And that's something that we have not said on this podcast at Ever. least. So good for them uh, because you got a guy coming out there balling. 19 tackles in one game. Absolutely amazing. He gets my $100 handshake. Yeah, and we're going to keep it right there. And I saw you tweeting about this guy as well, Melo. That's Hudson Clark, the walk-on corner. Now, Arkansas has had all kinds of problems coming into this year at corner, but this walk-on sophomore in, well, actually a redshirt freshman Hudson Clark is because he, he redshirted last year, did not see any time. Three interceptions. I mean, just coming out of nowhere, it, he was phenomenal. Almost looks like if Daniel Jones was out there playing corner, but was really good at it. That's who he looks like. It's kind of hilarious. Six foot two, about 180 pounds, ball skills. And if you go to that Arkansas Razorbacks player profile, all it says about him is declared Fayetteville a no fly zone. I love this oh, dude. Man. Easily worth the hundred dollar handshake. This is the Tyler Hero of college no football <laughs> it's like this white kid i was out here just balling picking off three interceptions in one game i love it he looks like what i would look like on creative player <laughs> like this would be, if i could create myself an ncaa 20 this would be what it would look like just like this string bean white kid uh-huh swag yeah the my, fuck my out. tweet was this is not a punter and he had one hell of a day like he looks <laughs> like a punter he's not <laughs> yeah love player it. comp jason seahorn done <laughs> it's done. Be. has to be yeah love that uh my last one and uh if you sit in the the basement of my house on saturdays with us and watch college football you would learn that this is one of my favorite players in the land that's kyron williams at notre dame he's only a sophomore I just love the way he runs. He's 5'9", he's 200 pounds, he's got those just barrel legs, and he's just going off week after week. I'll say this, Notre Dame barely beat Louisville. They had to come back to beat Louisville, but I love watching this Notre Dame offense right now. The way they get people involved, the pre-snap motion, the way they're using, they're using three tight ends at times, then like hand the ball to one of them. Like It's phenomenal what Coach Kelly's doing up there. Big friend of the show. Kyron Williams gets my $100 this week uh, after going off for 127 uh, on 25 carries and really was the catalyst to that comeback win. Yeah, that wind was ridiculous this weekend and there was no, uh, there was no throwing the ball, so they got it done on the ground. Much like my guy, Hendon Hooker, the quarterback of Virginia Tech. And I haven't watched all the Virginia Tech games this year. I won't pretend like I have. I don't know why this guy's struggling to see the field. He's a guy that I've been calling for to be on the field for a while now. Uh, a great athlete who I think is still learning to play the position. Maybe we should send him to Quincy Avery. But 164 rushing yards and three touchdowns. Not much through the air. And he's still splitting time. But this is a guy who had a good Saturday and he deserves $100 for it. Absolutely. And I'll close this out here with my last one. Devontae Smith from Alabama. Uh, one of those great wide receivers. God, Alabama. I mean, running back. If you need a running back or a wide receiver, just send your scouts there. You'll find your guy. And, and it really, we're just going to alternate talking about him or Waddle or Mechie. But I mean, this is this is what he does. He has these games where he takes over. Strong hands. 
Uh, for his size, very, very tough after contact. Just catches everything. Really good route runner. I think deceptive speed. I think a lot of people look at him and go, how oh, is he going to run in the 40? I think he's going to be fine right there. So for Devontae Smith, who went back to school and didn't really need to, I think he's showing everybody, listen, you could doubt me all you want, but you should draft me in the top 40. Yeah, yeah, he's amazing. I know, I think, I think it was Mello. One of you tweeted was like, uh, how is he 6'1"? He looks 6'5". He plays so well above the rim. Like, it, the crazy thing about him is that he's listed at 6'1", 175. If you told me he was 6'3", 215, I'd believe you. I've never seen a guy that slender, that strong before. Not at the receiver position. All right, let's uh, let's close out the hundred dollar handshakes, guys. It's time to get our boy Quincy Avery in here. Uh, it's going to be fun. We're going to talk about Justin Fields. We're talking about Trey Lance. We're going to talk about Dwayne Haskins. It is must listen. We'll be right back, guys. We have one of my favorite people on Twitter on the show with us today. That's Quincy Avery, one of the baddest ass boys on Twitter. I don't even know Quincy how to completely bring you into a show because you. Like, I've learned so much just following you on Twitter even before becoming friends where watching the way that you train the quarterback position, watching the way that you also have to evaluate the position to choose the guys that you're going to work with and that are going to work with you. So uh, we're really honored to have you on with us today, dude. No, I appreciate you guys having me on. I've been fortunate enough to be able to choose who I get to work with as far as quarterbacks now. So that's been a blessing. Well, that kind of leads to my first question, Q, is that, you know, I got to ask you, because it's a different year for all of us, you know, for this crew right here. We're used to being at different college football games each each uh, weekend. What are you doing this time of the year right now? Well, this year specifically, it's a, a little different than other years. I, uh, I've i already started preparing guys for the NFL draft. I'm, I've started working with Trey Lance and Jamie Newman, so it's been it's been fun to get started with that. Um, I'm really excited to kind of see where it goes in terms of extended offseason. I get to work on a lot of different things that in previous years I wouldn't have had the time to do, installing a lot more NFL offensive concepts throughout their training, making sure we see the game the same way. Um, so I, I'm really excited to see how far um, we can get to between now and the NFL draft. Hey, Quincy, speaking of Trey Lance, I, I think everyone knows uh, I'm a huge fan of his. I mean, I think all the guys are, but I'm I'm a big, big Trey Lance fan, so it's exciting to hear that he'll be working with you. Uh, I think the biggest question that I'm going to get about him, and, and certainly that you will as well, is how do you evaluate a guy who played one game this year? So not that maybe you have all the answers to that question you know, here in middle of October, but what do you, when you look at Trey, how do you answer that question of, is FCS guy... And, and a one-year-plus-one-game starter, how do you guys start to craft uh, the, even the workouts that he's going to be doing to answer some of that? Well, I think the real benefit that Trey has is that his system in college makes you so NFL-ready. The things that you have to do in terms of identifying protections, making mic calls, um, to know where we're going to turn from. like So many of the things that he did created real quality reps for the NFL, reps that a lot of other guys could play three years of starting quarterback and they wouldn't get the same amount of reps doing things that are going to translate in the NFL game. Um, so he has that advantage, right? And then I think you have to look at the whole body of work, not just the one game that he played this year, because I, I think more than anything, him playing that one game just shows everyone how much he loves football. He didn't need to play that game. There's not a whole bunch you can show and prove to people in one game. It's really a lot more risk than, than reward. And he was like, no, I just want to go play ball with my guys. So that, to me, would be encouraging if I was in the front office of an NFL team somewhere 
It's like, I know he loves ball, and I know he has a smart to be able to play the game at the highest level. Quincy, how much of your work would you say is on-the-field work versus uh, in-the-classroom type of work? It's probably a little bit more classroom than on the field. We're on the, on the field for about an hour and a half each day, but we spend two to three hours in terms of the mental side of the game, um, from understanding what defense is doing to understanding what offensive, offenses are doing. And then we also start digging into just like the mental training in terms of developing a better process each and every, t- every time we go to the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I think a lot of people, that's something they don't really get to see, and it's such a big part of getting these guys ready for whether it's board work at the combine. I mean, even the guys – uh, that go to the Senior Bowl and, and then ready for when they get drafted. So, I, I mean, you're already working with two guys that are pretty highly regarded uh, from this class, but the guys that still have games left to play, I mean, we'll just start at the top with Trevor Lawrence. You've seen a million high school quarterbacks, uh, a million college quarterbacks, and a lot of them or a good bulk of them that you work with go on to have NFL careers I remember when I was standing next to Trevor Lawrence at Army All-American practices when he was in high school, and I was like, wow, this is a dude with NFL talent already. Uh, do you agree that there's something special, that he's in a different category than a lot of the guys we've seen in maybe the last five to ten years? I think in terms of just early evaluation, for sure. Um, cause just because he, he does so many different things with the football. Um, and, and he also has a unique ability to really move the ball with his legs. Like, people don't give that enough credit. I think we saw that last year versus Ohio State a little bit more, but he's really dynamic in the way that he can play on and off schedule. So it allows people to look at him in a little bit of a different light. But, I mean, he, he's going to be probably the highest evaluated quarterback in a long time, but I, I think that this class is so top talent-heavy that it's still closer than it would be in any other year because we do have guys like Justin Fields and Trey Lance who um, I think a lot of times people will be looking at them as surefire first overall picks. Yeah, I think that does make this year different is that there is that that high end, that you know, level of play. Um, looking at the guys that you've, you know, had connections to coming out, you know, previous years, I mean, I think Deshaun Watson is probably the guy you're most well-known for working with. Uh, how has Deshaun handled going from, you know, being the guy at Clemson where you just you almost never lose and, and really you taking even what Taj Boyd did in it and taking it to the next level, winning a national championship, beating Alabama, becoming, you know, the face of college football. Then he goes to Houston, and he's had a lot of individual success, but they haven't had a lot of team success. How much are you involved with guys like Deshaun just keeping them where they're mentally, like, energized enough to be able to handle the grind. A lot of these you know, quarterbacks, like they've never lost before. And then they come to the NFL and they're going to go to a bad team and they're going to have some losses. Uh, how, how involved do you get with that side of things? I'm, I'm really involved. I'm on a few tech threads with a number of NFL quarterbacks. I'm also talking to like my guys virtually every day. So like between the Deshaun's, the Dwayne Haskins, the Jalen Hurts, the Josh Dobbs, um, and even Ben DiNucci was backing up um, for the Cowboys, like I'm talking to those guys almost daily. It's like a mental check-in, making sure they're doing all right in terms of that space because they have won so many games throughout their college career. Just dealing with the new side of things, going from being the guy, winning every game, and knowing that you can almost control that each and every week. Now you're playing at the NFL level where you're trying to play the best you can um, to win games, and, and sometimes it doesn't work out like you've got going on with Deshaun this, this year. And then I also got guys who deal with situations like 
what Dwayne's dealing with. Like that's that's a difficult situation, um, as I'm sure you guys can imagine. So I'm as much quarterback coach as I am just a big brother who they can throw stuff off of and they know they're not going to be judged. And, and I'm going to listen and, and I want to be there to help them, them out go through that adversity. How much do you still get to work with guys like Haskins and Sean Watson? Is that uh, once they're to the pros, you turn into more of a mentor, or do they come back in the offseason at all? Oh, no, offseason, we're full tilt. Like, we're going nonstop during the offseason. And then in season, I'm watching everybody who's playing games and I'm creating their drills for the week. So, things that they can work on pre and post practice so that they get an opportunity to get to work on some of the things that I think that they should be developing and improving on um, game in and game out. So we're still heavily involved in terms of training. I'll probably spend three weeks with each of the guys um, in some form of capacity during uh, each NFL offseason. A lot of people get to see the success side, right? A guy like Watson that has just thrived, you know, while working with you um, and just gets better and better, it seems like, every single year. But, of course – in your profession, there's a lot of roller coasters. There's There are the Dwayne Haskins of the world that he got, what, 13 games and then is inexplicably benched for a guy like Kyle Allen. And, and you know, we've seen this in the NFL. Some teams give quarterbacks three to four to five years. You've seen, you know, a guy like Trubisky. And then you've seen the Haskins, the Josh Rosens of the world is that such a difficult thing for someone like you to grasp where you see one guy getting all this time and a team willing to build around him and then another guy just with a regime change doesn't get any talent put around him doesn't get much of a chance how do you handle that as really the guy they lean on yeah i just try to be for one the situation sucks like those are, are horrible situations rosa situation sucks the Wayne situation sucked, but I, I just try to put things in the best perspective that I can, um, especially with Dwayne, someone who I think works his ass off this offseason. And you could see it in, in just in terms of his body, um, the throw sessions we had, like he looked as, as good as he had ever looked. Um, so I know that he has a talent to do it, but you know, my only messaging to him that I can really get across, and I think that, that it's helpful, is he has to control what he can control. Like, there's been a narrative put out about him in terms of his work ethic, things like that, from people around the organization. But he gets the opportunity to control that, not only moving forward, but with his, if, if he ends up on a new team, then he has the opportunity to control that there. And he gets to show everybody that that's not who I am. Um, not only am I uniquely gifted and talented, but I have um, the work ethic to be a franchise-leading uh, quarterback. So with Haskins, I, mean, I don't want to—I don't want to speak out of turn, but I think we can all hypothesize that the new regime. Uh, I mean, they're going in a different direction with whether that's Kyle Allen or Alex Smith. Uh, is that something where you kind of start? And I know you're not his agent, but is that where you kind of start looking at? Okay, this situation might be good for him, or that situation might be good for him. Even if like you're not setting those wheels in motion, but you're—you know his game better than anyone, so. Even if it's subconsciously, are you starting to think about the the next spot where maybe he can have that Ryan Tannehill like comeback? You know where it's like, man, I got to have a, a a situation that maybe wasn't best for me, and now I'm able to thrive. Yeah, so I, I mean, as soon as it happened, I kind of just started thinking about that, uh, putting my mental wheels in motion. Um, and I got a really good relationship with with Dwayne's agent, so I, you know, I'm always bouncing stuff off him. I'm not sure that the the Washington football team's in a position where they're 
um, really actively trying to trade them or move them or ship them. But, like, in my heart of hearts, I think that they've, they've moved on. But a lot of the things that they message behind closed doors makes it seem like they, they haven't um, they haven't closed the book on delays. Um, so we'll see. It really depends on – it probably depends more than anything on where they're at in the draft, who they have the opportunity to take. And if they don't have the opportunity to take a, a young guy early, then I think that they're probably going to be in a position where Dwayne gets another year in the Washington organization and he, he's going to have to figure some things out and see how he can make it work. Quincy, I was a teacher for a long time, and like class numbers really matter. How many guys are you working with? Like, what's the perfect number for you to where it's not too crowded, but you also you know have a good number of guys that compete with one another? Yeah, the perfect number for me is three to four. Um, three to four guys in a draft preparation class is really ideal because you get enough time to work on all the things that you need and get to get the individual component. Like, I can take step away, grab you, talk to you put you in the positions you need to be to physically um, do things the right way. And then they get the opportunity to compete with the other guys. Um, they can see some really good things and learn from each other because everybody moves and does a little bit differently, but there's always some things you can take away. And then in the board side, that four, three to four number, it really allows people to ask really good questions um, and it challenges guys mentally. And then you get to see things, um, from different offensive perspectives. Like you get to see what they did at this school or that school, how they handle things. And then you kind of come up with a best practices philosophy. Quincy, what's the number? If there even is one, it would take for you to go be a quarterback's coach for an NFL staff, or are you just completely over that side of the business now and, and just love being, you know, directly with players and away from the team side of things? Man, it's always a number. That's that's life. <laughs> uh, I've, I've talked to a few different people in the NFL about some stuff like that. And one, honestly, because um, the NFL is looking for more minority head coaches, right? And they know that the quickest way to get there is from being a quarterback coach to a play caller to a head coach. Absolutely. Like, kind of the order. And I think that um, there's some qualities that I have that may lend to like being able to be a head coach, just like organization business skills. But it, it would probably be at least a mil. Like I, I would need at least a mil a year to really think about it. Um, and that probably sounds like a, a third number, but um, that's just yeah, probably where I'm at right now. That's also my number now to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, uh, I'm with Quincy. Like he's he's negotiating for both of us. That's that's the number I need. Uh, hey Quincy, who's the guy that we don't know about yet that we should like? Even if it's a high school kid, we're like obviously we all know about Arch Manning, but given all the quarterbacks you work with, is there a guy where you're like, you guys got to start watching him because he could be the next thing? Yeah, I'm going to talk about Justin Fields' backup, CJ Stroud, who is really, really gifted, and he comes from like a difficult upbringing, and to me that makes quarterbacks a lot more able to achieve a certain level of success, and the reason that is because he's had to deal with some real adversity and he's been able to work through that. So I think that I, I would keep this eye on CJ, uh, of course, it's not going to be this year. He's going to be Justin Fields' backup. But two, three years from now, he's going to be the, the face of college football. I, I truly believe that. Um, and we're going to be talking about how teams are going to be trying to move up in the draft to select him. Yeah, I believe he's a true freshman this year. Is that correct? Yeah, he's a true freshman. Yeah, where's he stack up with uh, some of the other guys that you've had come in uh, that are that early, that young? Um, he reminds me a lot of Deshaun. 
at that age. The way he throws the ball, the way he moves, the way he car- uh, carries himself, like all those things really, really make me think, oh, he's like Deshaun. Um, he might have a little bit more juice in his arm at that age, but he doesn't, he, he doesn't move quite as well as Deshaun did when he was that age. So he has some of the positive characteristics and, and, and missing a little bit in terms of the run game. This might sound like a crazy question, and this is the last one from me, but I, I really do think it, it's true at times. Is is the college football world or the NFL world almost underrating Justin Fields? Like I think a lot of people forget him and Trevor were a 1A, 1B in that recruiting cycle, and just because Fields you know, had a late start and being a full-time starter, he hasn't gotten the same amount of hype. But do you think this is a year where he can come in play almost perfect football, and we've seen him already have stretches of doing that, and at least make this a conversation between him, Trevor, and Trey at that number one spot, even if they end up going one, two, and three. Yeah, I think I think that people should definitely be looking at it and waiting to see exactly what Justin did, does this year. I watched him this summer work as hard as any college athlete I'd ever seen work in terms of an offseason. From the way that he looks, body-wise, like, Shed 18 pounds, so he looks amazing. He's throwing the ball as effortless, effortlessly as he as ever. Right, he can drive the ball in the same way that Trevor can make every every throw that's necessary on the NFL field. Justin Fields can do the same thing. And then, um, and I know I talked about Trevor being able to do some things with his legs. Justin Fields is truly dynamic and would stress people out in the worst way uh, in the quarterback run game. Um, so. He, if a team is built in the right way and, and they decide, look, I'm going to create an offense that's going to make him truly successful, um, do some things in the quarterback run game, they're going to put themselves in a situation where, yeah, people might look at Trevor as a better prospect, but when Justin goes to NFL, he could very easily be a much better player. Uh, last one for me, Quincy. We'll get you out of here, buddy. Uh, Mike comp for Trey Lance even before I knew you were working with him was Deshaun Watson am I uh gonna be drug tested or do you think that's okay no I think that's really fair he's a bigger he's a bigger version of Deshaun they had the opportunity to work out um they, we, we all kind of worked out together a bit um this offseason they're the same throwing session and it was really cool to see both those guys doing a lot of the same things moving the same way um throwing the same type of ball um and it's and the, and the unique part about Trey is he's never had the opportunity to get specialized quarterback training, right? So he's done all these things on his own. we got six months to really dial in on some things, and I think that he's going to come out of this process and people are going to be floored by what he looks like at the NFL Combine. Like, it's going to be – I've seen some, some real strides in two weeks, and people are going to be like, Damn, Trey Lance uh, is, is really special, and, and we need to start talking about him um, in the conversation with the top overall pick in the draft. Awesome, dude. Thank you again so much for your time. That's Quincy Avery. Again, one of, if not the, best follows on Twitter. So make sure you go check our guy out. Quincy, thanks so much, dude. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. I like when guys come on for interviews and they actually talk. You know, instead of like, hey, like, Dwayne Haskins, where do you want him to play? Like, yeah, well, we've thought about it. Instead of, well, you know, he's under contract, and it's like, no, yeah, we're we're thinking the same thing you guys the are. The honest answers are good. They are. 
That is the best. So thank you to Quincy Avery for making time for us. And then also for being a real human being on an interview. You would be shocked how often that doesn't happen. So yeah, he's genuine. It's, it's different because we know Q where, you know, obviously there's a comfort level there. But if you ever hear anything Q does, it's just genuine. And that's why guys like Trey Lance are going to work with him. Yeah, it is. Uh, uh, I, sorry, I'm hesitating because someone's blowing my phone up right now about how much they love Mac Jones as a quarterback prospect. Someone in oh, the Adam NFL Gase didn't get fired. Right? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> sorry, buddy. No, but somebody's literally blowing me up about like how good Mac Jones is as a quarterback prospect. So maybe we'll okay. get there. Maybe we'll get there. Uh, <laughs> I, I think he's good, but I don't. It's not. I'm you know how it is. The <laughs> Everyone wants to be the guy who was first on a guy, mm. and so like I'm even reading it. it was like, does that say Mac Jones? Like the the Alabama kid. Okay, so let's do top five Tuesdays now that we've gone there. Uh, here's my first one, guys. Derrick Henry is a unicorn. And by that, that's little scouting lingo. I know it's really original. I've never seen a guy this big who is straight line fast, but I, this isn't a knock. He's not the most laterally agile human being in the world. This big, this straight line fast, people cannot slash will not tackle him. And I get this. Every time this dude goes off, people will find tweets of mine from like September of his senior year where I didn't like him. I thought, and I was like, he's too big. He's too big for the NFL. He's never going to be able to like run away. Listen, I was wrong. I shouldn't have tweeted it. Like should have closed the fucking app, you know, but I didn't. And the tweets live. I've made my amends. I've said, hey, I'm stupid. I was wrong. Uh, It it happens. It's going to happen a lot. We're all going to have those tweets where it's like, oh, why did I say that? But Derrick Henry... I don't think with Derrick Henry, we can like look for the next. Find me another 6'3", 250 guy that can run downhill like this. I don't think it's A.J. Dillon. Like, I just don't think there is anything. So with Derrick Henry, I think for me, it's just watching him play, watching the long runs, watching people just avoid him in the open field is unlike anything I've ever seen. It really is. And I've been waiting for his body to break down and him to not be able to do it anymore. <clears throat> Excuse me, but... It's not happening. And so I think that's what makes him a unicorn. I've never seen a guy this size. Like he's fast, but he still looks incredibly slow. I think it's just the stride. But even on Sunday when he broke the huge run, like people just weren't catching up to him. It didn't look like he was moving fast. So maybe it is a, oh, I don't really want to catch him. Then I'll have to tackle him situation. But good for Derrick Henry. I do love watching a big man carry the football. And speaking of big, the Big Ten is back this weekend. Thank God. And I think a lot of us, uh, I'll throw myself in there too, didn't realize how important the Big Ten was to college football. But the Saturday slate of games that we had this past weekend, it wasn't very good. And we've had other weekends where it's like, oh, there's like two or three games. Now that we have the Big Ten back, it feels more normal. And when the Pac-12 returns, uh, I think we'll see its importance as well. But having the Big Ten back is a big deal. And I hope that we don't have to ever deal with a situation like this again. But I'm very thankful to have the Big Ten back, especially teams like Ohio State, Wisconsin. And don't forget about those Minnesota Gophers, Matt. Oh, I am with wow. you all the way on that, Melo. I'm I'm excited. I am really excited. And I'll tell you what else I'm excited for. You guys see this guy, Mac Jones, play quarterback? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That is not my top five takeaway. That is not my top five it takeaway. It was kind of blowing my phone up. <laughs> yeah. Number, number one, what do the Vikings do about Kirk Cousins right now? And it's a... Listen, if you're a Vikings fan, I'm, I'm not trying to be doom and gloom, you know, this early in the season... But it's got to be a conversation right now. And I'm asking this because I don't know the answer. When you look at the contract Kirk Cousins signed in the offseason, it added 
two years on to his deal, right? So he's going into this year, final year, and then it adds two years. Now, he has he signed for $61 million guaranteed at signing, fully guaranteed at signing. So that means he sees that money, which means if you cut him after this year, it would be $41 million in, uh, in dead money. And no NFL team can absorb that. It's just not... It's just not really possible, and you don't really want to cut him. The problem is if you keep him on the roster, I believe it kicks in his 2022 salary. So I just don't know what they do. Do you pray Kyle Shanahan wants Kirk Cousins? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe that's something you look into. Maybe they just continue to roll on with Jimmy or look for a cheaper alternative. But my other thing is I don't think Minnesota will ultimately be bad enough this year to get Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, or Trey Lance. I really think those guys go one, two, three. Maybe they can trade up for one. But I'm curious to get your guys' take because I'm sitting here and going, God, that contract just seems like this poison pill right now. That's how I feel about Jimmy Garoppolo, too. And I know uh, we're saying this Monday morning, and people are going to be like, did you not watch the Rams game? I actually did watch the Rams game, and they had a very, very good game plan. He missed a lot of throws. Exactly. He missed a lot of throws. So did they win? Yes. Was it nice? Absolutely. But it's still a contract that I don't know how you get out of it. So with Cousins and Garoppolo, it's like, can you just trade them for each other? Well, like, throw in Matt Ryan, too. Yeah. Like, I, I think that Matt Ryan's still a good quarterback, but he's still making he's a lot good. of money. You know, yeah. and, and the Falcons are probably going to want to move on from him sooner rather than later. So the three of them, it's like, what the hell do you do with these contracts? Do you just swap them out for each other? Like Kyle Shanahan gets to pick who he wants, and then Garoppolo goes to another team. Three-way three trade. trade. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> just NBA three-way <laughs> trade this thing. <laughs> well, and like on this, so uh, Spotrack has uh, the, on cap hits, Jimmy Garoppolo is the fourth highest cap hit among quarterbacks. Yeah, like, for this year. For this year. And Kirk Cousins is making $40 million. So it's like, come on! Like, what Kirk do you do plays the. Uh, I'll take a little bit lower on the AAV, but you can never release me. Yes. That's how his agent works, which is incredible. Yeah, because his total cash is right? forty million. So it's like, what it's do you insane? You can't you can't cut that guy. Um, so, man, I don't know. I think these teams are. This is where you almost have to do like a. You hope a Jordan Love situation happens. And, like, we fucking shit on the Packers when they did that. But, like, you have to eventually just hope that that happens. And if a guy's there, you have to take him because you need to be in this situation where I have an inexpensive quarterback behind my okay expensive quarterback. And you got, so you got to hope that you can find that dude. So that's a great question. Uh, My second top five takeaway what the fuck, Syracuse? I don't know if you guys saw this because it kind of flew under the radar. Syracuse is one in four, by the way. They lost to Liberty on Saturday. Liberty, the college you've only heard of because... Oh, they didn't lose. (laughs) They got smacked. You only know about Liberty because the guy who was running the university was like a leech, basically. It's Jerry Falwell Jr. He was like praying for a jet and all that shit. You got beat by Liberty. How? How, Dino Babers? I don't understand. Well, even I think that they opened this weekend as like a 37 and a half point dog against Clemson. Like the spread is just absolutely ridiculous. And this is a Syracuse team that I was kind of high on a couple of years ago. Same. You know, like Andre Sisko was coming ago. through there. Like it is really falling off. We were talking about Babers. It's like, oh man, where's he going to go next? This is a hot coach in college football. It's probably going to be a coordinator next. That's where he's going. Uh, and I'll keep it with college football. Fellas, it's time to stop sleeping on the Sun Belt. This is a good conference. They play good quality football there. And honestly, like the winner of that conference 
could probably win the Big 12 this year. Coastal Carolina has already beat Kansas, which is not saying much, but they own Kansas. Like they they own Kansas now. They are probably the governor of the state. You've already had Louisiana beat Iowa State. This is a good conference. App State is in this. So the fun belt, it's time to start watching. Like they're playing some games on like Wednesday and Thursday nights. Tune in uh, because this weekend with Coastal Carolina and Louisiana, it came down to the wire and it was damn good. I've already talked about Arkansas State. Arkansas State versus App State this Thursday. Don't don't watch whatever else is on. I don't even care if the World Series is on. Check out the Fun Belt. You won't be disappointed. Fun Belt, baby. This is the official podcast. Mello is the, the fun. Ba- you are the commissioner of the Fun yes. Belt, Mello. <laughs> yeah, we need to get you like a, a generic Sun Belt T-shirt Ooh. that you just like. It uh-huh. just says Sun Belt Conference. It doesn't have a specific team on it. It's just or like next <laughs> time you wear a suit, Mello, can you get like a little pin that's a yeah. Sun Belt pin? Oh yes. And everybody just thinks that you work for the Sun Belt Conference, and we'll just like fake this thing all. All the way up until I love you it. actually accidentally work for them. <laughs> yeah, until so, I'm the commissioner of the company. I did a quick yeah. Google. You will not be surprised to learn that Belk has a, a Sun Belt line. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the Belk Done. <laughs> Done. All right. On a little bit more of a serious note here, I'm just going to come out and say it. I think Jalen Waddell is the best Alabama wide receiver prospect we've seen over the last few years. I really do. I think when you look at it, you know, we had Henry Ruggs go really early last year. Uh, I like Jerry Judy a little bit more. I know, you know, for Matt, he was your number one wide receiver the yeah. entire time. Both really, really good players. You know, we've seen Calvin Ridley, really good player. Amari Cooper, really good player. Um, you know, Devontae Smith is a guy that's going to – I the floor is so high on him. I think he's going to be really, really a solid contributor at the next level. But I look at how explosive – Waddle is in a league that is getting so vertical right now. And I just think he's the best one of the bunch. And I think he will be the best one of the bunch. And I think I'm not there yet, but I think the conversation is quickly transitioning. Is is somebody going to draft him over Jamar Chase? Because we see teams value speed each and every year. And I think Waddle is packed with it. Yeah, I was sitting at the bar watching the game Saturday night, and he took off. And, it, like, all the guys who were sitting at the bar were just like, oh. And, uh, it, Connor, you've been there. You know how it is at 609 when they, all the time. And somebody was like, is he faster than Tyree Kill? And I was like, well, he's faster than Henry Ruggs. Do you think Henry Ruggs is faster than Tyree Kill? And people were like, you're crazy. Like, I was like, I've <laughs> asked Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy, and they say Jalen Waddle's faster. So, they say he's faster. I don't think they would lie. I mean, it's it's exceptional. Uh, and and uh, was it Michi the uh, the other one? Mm-hmm. He's gonna be good too. Like they just keep just keep doing it, keep reloading. Yeah. And I mean, last year we couldn't even get Jalen Waddle on the field. Right. That's how loaded this class was. And I think it might have been Adam Kramer. Uh, no, it wasn't. I was gonna tag Kramer in it. But somebody said, "Is this the most talented receiver class or group that we've ever had on one team?" Like, yeah, you're gonna have four or five guys from the last year's receiver group that are gonna be first round picks. I think you can add Michi to it as well. I think he's gonna be damn good. I, he was a freshman last year. We really right. didn't get to see him play, but with Waddle, with Rugs, with Smith. It Justin Ross was almost on this team as well until he took a look at that roster and was like, you know what? I'm going to be buried there. I'm going to go ahead and go to Clemson. Uh, just absolutely ridiculous the talent they have. And and Jalen Waddle, I, I think you're probably right, Connor. Like this might be the best one that's come through there. It is fun to watch. Uh, and speaking of Alabama and speaking of Clemson, I'm just going to go ahead and say it now. And I know Ohio State fans are getting mad at me, like we haven't even played yet. 
It doesn't matter because Alabama-Clemson is coming. It's good. That is the national championship game. It is. And I, I like this Ohio State team a lot. After watching Alabama and Clemson, no. Like, they're not going to be able to do it. Ohio State will not be able to beat either of these teams. So Alabama fans, Clemson fans, just keep your weekend free. You will be in the national championship, and I'm here for it. Like, I want this to become the new, like, rivalry of college football. And I think a lot of people hate it because get out a map and look how close Clemson is to, like, Tuscaloosa. Ain't far. Ain't far at all. And it's like, you, we don't want one little region to dominate college football. Fun fact, it has been anyway. Just go ahead and accept it. Oklahoma and Ohio State and anybody west of the Rockies like no this this area dominates college football and it's going to continue to do that yeah I think so too it's going to be really hard and for Ohio State it's going to be difficult because these two teams have already started playing and it sucks to say it but your conference kind of set you behind the eight ball to where Ohio State probably going to go undefeated still going to be that number three seed they're going to have to run into uh, Alabama or Clemson who I think will occupy that one two spot probably for the rest of the season. Matt, you want to talk about good football. Let's talk about bad football. Uh, Because everybody was very excited for Mississippi. And, oh, my God, the lane train is coming. Uh, Mike Leach running the air raid. What's it going to do? It's still dog shit. Like, I'm sorry if you're an Ole Miss or Mississippi State fan. You are who you have always been. You're a bottom feeder in that division of the conference. It doesn't matter who you bring in there. Maybe you can come in for a year with Dan Mullen and have a good record, but you're still going to be Ole Miss and Mississippi State. It's still not going to be good. Don't get your hopes up. I say this as a Texas fan. It's like them being back. I don't care who you bring in as coach. You're not going to beat the Alabama and the Auburns of the world. Just be happy if you can get to middle of the road. I just enjoyed that absolute slaughtering of two football teams. I absolutely love it. On the flip side, I don't think Clemson is going to lose this year, guys. And I'm not, that's not a hot take of a really cold take, actually, of their conference. I don't think they're going to lose at all. I really don't. And people can laugh at that maybe when the time comes that they don't win a championship or whatever it may be. I look at this Clemson team. This is Trevor Lawrence's. You know, final go-round, right? We've been saying it all along. He's going to win the Heisman. He's going to win the championship. Top to bottom, they're they are they're a veteran team at a lot of key places, and they have youth talent to plug in the holes of areas they've lost. I know it might seem like an overreaction because they beat up on Georgia Tech. It's almost funny. The Vegas is going to get so crazy with Clemson spreads because Clemson just blows everyone out in the first half. Then their backups keep their foot on the gas and keep on scoring. So right now, I look at this Clemson team, barring a big injury, don't think they're losing a football game this year. And I'm very ready for Clemson-Notre Dame. Uh, it's going to be a bloodbath. Notre Dame is the number I'll talk about later. Okay. Go ahead. I'll wait. Uh, uh, I think Clemson uh, might uh, kill them. No, I'm uh, excited for it. Yeah. Yeah, same. Okay, my next one. Uh, the Packers' poor drafting is killing the, a Super Bowl team. It really is. I was so excited to watch Packers Buccaneers on Sunday. It was like, clear my schedule. Order to pizza. Like, I'm not getting off the couch. I want to watch this game. It was game of the day for me. And the Packers got their asses kicked. Like, straight up, punched in the mouth, didn't want to get up. Even to the point, there was a point in the game, Aaron Rodgers took a delay a game, and I swear to God he did it intentionally because he was pissed at Matt LaFleur. He's like, you know what? I'm not running that fucking play. I'll take a delay a game. Like, I have no evidence of this, but I know it to be true. 
bad drafting is ruining this team. Indomitian Sue looked like he was back at Nebraska tossing around Colt McCoy. He was unstoppable. Jason Pierre-Paul has one and a half hands, and they couldn't block him. I mean, it's like this Tampa defense is old. Vita Vea got hurt. His backup is 40 pounds lighter than him, and they couldn't block him either. Like, this, the Tampa defense is good. Todd Bowles is a mastermind as a defensive coordinator. But they're not the 85 Bears. And they looked like it yesterday. I feel sorry for Aaron Rodgers. I've not been his biggest fan, but goddamn, my man needs something better than what he's been given. And I, the problem is he's too good for them to like make a change. But I don't, I don't particularly believe in the front office they have right now. And they're probably going to ruin the twilight of Aaron Rodgers when they he is good enough to overcome the normal deficiencies of a team to be a Super Bowl winner. But they're just they're just fucking him. He can't do it. Yeah, I think before yesterday, it would have been a safe bet to say the Packers and Seahawks were going to meet each other in the NFC Championship game. Uh, and then Tampa Bay comes away and just kind of steamrolls these guys. Uh, it's, it's a tough scene. I really I did not expect that. I thought it would be the game of the day, too. And then I didn't even finish it. I know that at some point it was Blaine Gabbert versus... I didn't either. Not Jordan Love or Aaron Rodgers, whoever that other guy is. So I didn't watch it either. Uh, I alluded to it earlier, fellas. This is the worst top five in college football I've ever seen. I started to talk about Notre Dame. Notre Dame is number three in the nation right now. And for some reason, the AP still won't rank Ohio State at three where they should be. But just looking at the rankings and where they are right now, I've never seen like such a discrepancy. In the number two and one team versus the rest of it. Like Georgia's still up there. Like, what are we doing here? It's just bad. And it goes back to kind of my first topic of I can't wait for the Big Ten to be back so we can actually put some teams in here. But right now they have it as Clemson, Alabama, Notre Dame, Georgia, and Ohio State. Like Oklahoma State is six. It's just really bad. I can't wait till we're in like early December still playing football games and we get it figured out to where the top teams are actually up there yeah I don't disagree with you there at all I, I really don't uh moving on number four here from top five Tuesdays sports books versus the New York Jets is going to become the battle of the century here fellas I, I don't understand what they're going to do are they just going to get crazy there is no spread that is too big for the Jets you can legitimately make free money every single week you could take the original spread, which with Miami was between seven and nine and a half points. You can buy up the spread if you're feeling risky, which is not even that big of a risk because the Jets lose by 20 or more every week. The Jets are free money right now, and I don't know what Vegas is going to do. I'm looking at the spread for Buffalo next week. It's only minus 10 and a half. The Bills should win by 20 easily. I'm so I just look right at now. this. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, I'm very curious to see what they do. Because now we're seeing it with Clemson, right? The last time I looked, a, a, a book had Clemson favored by 45 and a half over Syracuse. Because like I said, the Clemson backups score. So their spread has to be so high. They played their punter on Saturday and it didn't look yeah, bad. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And with the Jets, um, it's something to keep an eye on because I just think people can start collecting free money over and over again. God, the Chiefs-Jets spread has to be 25. It has to be. In an NFL game, that's 100 points. Like, yes. By the yes. way, an NFL spread of 25 points is just like, take it off. Just take it off the book, guys. Uh, last one for me, Top 5 Tuesdays, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Might be the best team in the NFL, guys. And I know yesterday, like, they... Yeah, okay, you beat the Browns. The Browns were four and one. This is less nice. Oh, they beat the Browns. And they didn't even just beat them. They dismantled them. Like, Absolutely. And did it with like I think Big Ben was a little banged up in this game. And they still did it. And it's it's Clay's 
Chase Claypool, excuse me. It's Mika Fitzpatrick. It's TJ Watt. Like this team's loaded. We'll see what the Devin Bush injury does to, to them. I think that is going to be significant, but man, I love the way they're playing this year. It's just like we've talked about the Aaron Rodgers redemption tour and like people are being pissed off. I, I think we may have missed the mark. It might be the Pittsburgh Steelers where people were pissed off. They were so good on Sunday and they're undefeated. They're 5-0 and right now. It just goes to show how good they were last year and how terrible those quarterbacks were. Like If you could just put any average quarterback on that team, they would still uh, at least be up there for the division. My last takeaway, fellas, here on Top 5 Tuesdays, Sundays really suck when your team isn't playing. Like I get to see the Chiefs play against the Bills on Monday Disagree. Night Football. <laughs> yeah, maybe, okay, not for all of us, but when your team is really good, uh, it really it just kind of takes the air out of the sails there. Now, when you try to get excited, like when the Chiefs are playing, it feels like a different environment on a Sunday. And then when I go and I'm like, oh, they don't play today, it really just takes the wind out of my sails. So I feel that way about college football. Like for me, when Texas didn't play Saturday, it was. I mean, I was still excited, especially for Alabama, Georgia. So that's when I agree with Connor, and I'm like, I don't want to watch that shit show. Yeah, well, you know, I like being harmed, apparently. So, like, what's that called where you just want to be abused? That's me with college football. And, like, yesterday the Niners played last night, so it was like, I just kind of get to watch all the games and not really root for anyone all day, and it's great. And then I was very pleasantly surprised last night. I'm not going to lie. At halftime, I was like, what is happening? But it's okay. I'll enjoy it. Last one here for me. The Chicago Bears do it again, boys. They are 5-1, and one, and the internet is furious about it. I just love every Monday I wake <laughs> up and I see. And it's not like a tweet from like a, a random like Packers or Lions fan. It's like legitimate. Like People are on Twitter that analyze football and are just like, the, the Bears still stink. And like maybe they, they will at some point. The schedule is going to get harder. The offense has to get better. But they're five and one, and what are we gonna do if they are like eight and two, or or ten and three, or we have to talk about the Bears and hosting a playoff game? Like I'm just so ready for this. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, I love things that make everyone angry most of the time, not all the time. But with the Chicago Bears, I'm I'm loving this right now, guys. It is fun, and I, uh, oh boy, I was wrong about the Chicago Bears this year. Good for I Nick Foles. I again. thought they were going to be so fucking bad just because of that. You know, it's like, come on, come on. They're not. They're good, and the offensive line has not been the the problem I thought it would be. So I still think they need help, but Matt Nagy's probably earned himself another year there. I, how do you fire a coach that's might, doing this good? He might earn another Coach of the Year award, right? Hey, honestly, like if, <laughs> seriously, if they they could win the North, if they win the North, he's the Coach of the Year. I don't care if it's at 9-7 and seven or whatever the record is. If they win the NFC North, he should be the coach of the year. Yeah. Man. Start calling him Jon Snow. <laughs> Connor, did you know that I'm watching Game of Thrones finally? No. Finally. Wow. And, like, so it's every reference I so make. So, clearly, he's, like, three years late on it. So, he'll and make you're a reference. In like a different, you're in, like, a different universe right now. Like, right? in Interstellar, when, like, the space timelines are all off. I'm behind the bookshelf. You're book literally... Yeah. You're literally in that right now. I have to send you my folder of Game of Thrones memes that you could start using. <laughs> Thank you. Even though it's three years late. I'm yeah. just glad oh, I man. finally made it. He'll say something, and I have to like go back through and remember, all right, what season was that? Where is he at? Okay, I yeah. get it. I get it now. So everything it's changes. also a show. Doesn't it feel like we, you know, Matt's watching it, so I don't want to get crazy here, but the world kind of like put it out of our memories. Like nobody talks about Game of Thrones. People still talk right. about like the Sopranos, The Wire, all of those things. But it's like talking about Voldemort. 
It's like you right. don't even talk about Game of Thrones anymore. Spoiler alert is because that last season was so fucking terrible. It sucked. <laughs> well, can't wait. Enjoy. <laughs> can't wait. I'm on season four. Can't wait to get there, boys. Uh, that's the rest of the the rest of the season of Stick to Football will be my Game of Thrones breakdowns. And I'll just ruin the show for everyone else. So. I think you're the last person who hasn't seen it. So. I kind of like <laughs> being okay. that guy. I either need to be first or last. I don't want to be like, uh, everybody else is watching Yellowstone. Let me watch it. It's like, I'm going to be yeah. in line to watch that shit. Or I'm going to resist and wait. Yeah, I still haven't figured out how to watch Yellowstone. Ooh, Honestly, I'm, yeah. not even, I'm not even kidding. I, is it like, it's you on a network, right? It's on right? Paramount. Yeah, or but, just okay, buy it I on Amazon. That. Yeah, just buy it on Amazon. Oh, okay. Fuck it. I mean, it's probably worth it. Everybody's like losing their shit over it. I think everyone <laughs> I just thought has there was my, nowhere to stream it. Everyone has my Amazon password. You probably do too at this point. You can just watch it on mine. <laughs> okay, that works. <laughs> I mean, I literally think everyone in the world has my Amazon password. But now I'm in the middle. I, I have to wait. Right. I have to watch yeah. it when it's long done. I can't jump on now. Yeah, that's true. Because then you get caught up and it's not the same. Like when you binge something... And then catch up, and there's still seasons. That sucks. Because then you're yeah, waiting. It's it's called blue balls. It's the worst. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Netflix blue blue balls. Oh god, I love that this show is just back to its roots. Okay, that is our show. Thank you to Quincy Avery, and uh, we'll be back Friday morning with a lot more fun things to talk about. For you.